Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. <laughs> what is going on, Nick and Matt Show fans? We're on episode 97, and as you can tell, Matt Graham, one of the fellow hosts on the show, is not here this week, but we have Ben Kenny interning, intern Ben producing the show tonight so ben go ahead and throw up three up this is what we're gonna probably chill with the whole night so ben's ben's sitting in the hot seat he's rolling with the show right now he's sending me videos on him just bombing drives and everything like that talking about off-axis torque and all that (laughs) nonsense so uh anyways episode 97 presented by cosmic disc golf you can go check out their stuff at cosmicdg.com and uh guys i guess we can kind of just roll straight into it we've had a slam-packed week of elite series we had Haley king winning the major a couple weeks ago then we have isaac robinson coming on later the show tonight spoiler alert just kidding it's not really a spoiler at this point he just took down the lws idlewild open is that how you call it oh Open at Idlewild, yeah, excuse me, go. presented yep. by Dynamic Discs and The Natty. Correct. Um, took it down in what I would consider a pretty dominant fashion. I don't really know at one point, I think at one or two points, it came within two strokes. I know Chris Dickerson was kind of making a charge. Ultimately, though, Isaac Robinson just absolutely shredding it. And the putting was on freaking fire tonight, or excuse me, on freaking fire over the last weekend. So that was pretty awesome to see. And uh, I have some notables at the top, I guess, at this point. Evan, go ahead, take it away. Give us the stats for the weekend. All right. Yeah, so many people heard that uh, Isaac Robinson was 100% CUNX putting. Uh, funny enough, we'll have, to, we'll have to talk to him about this, but yesterday he said that he actually did miss a circle one putt on hole one, either the first round or the third round, I forget. Uh, but he said he was about seven inches into the circle. Uh, and missed that putt, but otherwise it wasn't counted as such, so we're not looking at it as such. He missed a circle two putt there and went 100%, I believe, 26 for 26, which is incredible. Uh, That is uh, well done. Um, Bringing it over to the FPO side, though, we saw Katrina Allen get back into the W column. Uh, It's been 133 days since she last won a Elite Series or major event. Going back to the first event of the season being uh, Las Vegas Challenge, the 133 days is the longest midseason stretch she's had without wins in her career on tour. Isn't that crazy? uh i mean yeah. it's february to july which is a long time but also like of her career i don't know that that's crazy but she takes it down but i want to touch on own scoggins who finishes tied for second with missy gannon who missy gannon also shot the hot round final round looked phenomenal but own scoggins was 30 percent in c1 regulation and had 7.76 strokes gained which uh strokes gained i always forget to say putting 7.76 mm-hmm. strokes gained putting which is kind of her usual self that's not all that surprising but 30 percent c1 in regulation is i believe tied for second in the fpo field and if own scoggins is tied for second or in second for a driving stat like that um watch out because that's incredible uh great for her uh, bringing it back to the MPO side, we saw Paul Macbeth put on a heater to start the third round. I <laughs> I did say, how does Paul Macbeth show up in the final round at Idlewild uh, last week? Uh, he did show up this week, although he was a little bit out of it beforehand, but put on a show, brought himself into the tied for sixth place with a, what was it, a 13 down and ended up being? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But he went nine down through the first eight holes, which is that that's the first time it's happened all season. Uh, didn't check further back, but that 
got to be pretty rare to go nine down <laughs> through the first eight holes. Um, absolutely incredible. We saw Chris Dickerson make his return to the tour. He finished in second, gave Isaac Robinson a little bit of a scare. Uh, well, we'll have to ask Isaac Robinson how he felt going to that last round, but I'm sure uh, he felt the pressure from Chris because Chris on the final day can scare anyone. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, Gannon Burr, he was tied for first going to the final round, if I'm correct. Or he was up there. He's definitely he was up there for sure. He was lead card. He kind of had a little bit of a fumble. One could say his maybe his worst round of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually want to pull up the rating real quick. It was exactly one thousand one thousand yeah. zero uh, rated. Which Wish that was my worst rating. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but I mean, isn't it crazy that we're we're saying that Gannonburg fumbled with like a thousand rated round? And he's seventeen <laughs> years old, and we're still just like, yeah, he. Uh, he wasn't able to get it done on the final round. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but Isaac Robinson shot a 1064 event rating. Uh, that's 28 points above his player rating and his best event rating of his career. Um, And, ooh, one is my last. Uh, no, I don't know. I got, I got a few more. I can roll for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ella Hansen was phenomenal. Uh, she mm-hmm. kind of like Gannon just kind of fell a little bit out of the final round uh, but she saw the hot round in the first round and here's a cool little fact she went back-to-back bogeys to start the tournament holes one and two but then gets the hot solo hot round at that in fbo that's the first time that happened all year that someone started with back-to-back bogeys and got the hot round isn't that crazy that's pretty wild yeah just yeah like what a comeback there not just like lead at any point in the tournament gets the hot round that round yeah. um and uh okay I'm going to mispronounce this, but Heidi Alsalu gets into the top 10. She's an Estonian. So even though Kristen Tatar couldn't make it, we still have an Estonian in the top 10. And she ties mm-hmm. Paige Pierce, who finished in 10th place. And that marks a back-to-back outside top five finishes for Paige Pierce. She finished 21st last, uh, or oh, a little bit over that, a week and a half ago mm-hmm. at U.S. Women's. And that's the first time in her career she's gone back to back outside the top five in elite series of majors. So what do we think it is at that point with Paige going on right now? I think I think it was pretty huge seeing Katrina Allen come back and take down this W because I think both we never really talked about Paige or Katrina in contention to win U.S. Women's. So having at least one of them come back and make a solid push and then Katrina ultimately winning the event. I thought it was pretty hurt, huge just when we're talking about, you know, some of the top three players in the world. I think we could have a debate and an argument over who are the top three FPO players right now. But it's kind of like where, you know, where's the Paige Pierce bat signal? Like, where is Paige Pierce right now? And so, you know, it's one of those to where, you know, Paige has talked about how she's taking more time off this year. She's not playing every single event. She's not doing that weekend warrior grind. So you think this could potentially help out because we kind of looked at it like Haley King, who's not going out to every single event. Haley comes out and wins U.S. Women's. Paige still, over the last two events, just on a struggle bus. Obviously, she's having a great year, um, but the last two events isn't necessarily doing incredible right now. Um, I thought one really cool stat as well, though, Missy Gannon shooting that hot round the final day was the only 1,000-rated round. It was 1,002 rated in the FPO division, which I thought was pretty wild. Um, This is one of those courses where... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure every single tee pad for them is the same, but they end up changing some of the pars on some of the holes. And so it kind of makes you wonder. About 13 Mm -hmm. or 14 are the same, I believe. There's like a, there's a chunk that are different, but there, there's a chunk that are different. Yeah, more than not are the same. And then pars could change. 
So this is where I'm kind of looking at this. This is arguably from what a lot of top pros are saying, one of the hardest courses on tour. Um, I've had the pleasure of playing it back in 2017 and it's a ridiculously tight wooded course. If you're off your gap by, you know, a foot, it's going to be a struggle bus pretty much all weekend until you can kind of figure that out. Um, and I think we did see that from a lot of the players over the past weekend. I'm just like, just a hair off turns into these massive kicks. I mean, Alexis Mandahano was playing great. The final round was within, I think, two or three at one point going into that kind of double Mando tree hole. Kicks right, I think, missed the Mando, then throws OB on the next shot. And, and you know, it just it ends up being a very, very tough course, especially their conditions were pretty horrid over the first two rounds. Mm. The last round looked pretty decent but at the same time the course had just been flooded over the course of practice days and then over the course of just everyone playing it during the tournament and so now you got a ridiculously hard footing i know anthony barella went down with an injury just on one of the holes and so a very very tough weekend congratulations to the winners and anyone placing very well this tournament i know the conditions weren't incredible um but i think one of the things you can just kind of keep shouting out was insane job by isaac robinson um, Paul Macbeth finally makes kind of a comeback where that McBeast mode, that final round, the Paul that we're normally used to seeing made a little bit of a comeback this past weekend, which is great to see. I think he had posted about it as well. Um, just saying how he's getting into the stretch of tournaments that are his favorite ones in the world. Like he loves playing uh, out in Nokia, Finland at the European open playing the beast. He says it's one of his favorite courses, if not his favorite course, and he's a five-time champion at it. So we're about to hit another major which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm going to stop you, you right the there. Uh, Go for it. At, tracks. at the Beast, the mm -hmm. last player, the last MPO player not named Paul Macbeth to win that event is Dave Felberg in 2011. <laughs> now, now it doesn't happen every year. So yeah, you can mm -hmm. say it's it's uh, kind of cherry picked, mm -hmm. but also like since 2011, like I, I think he's in the field. Is he? Avery Jenkins is. I don't know if Felberg's making the trip, but like, oh, we're talking about for this year's yeah, yeah yeah i'm just saying like if he's the last winner like all credit to him he's a fantastic player and he's still i mean he could probably whoop you nick and he can uh, for sure like whoop any amateur so i'm not even gonna put us on the same level me and ben uh but he's still an incredible player uh but he's not at that elite uh like touring play level i don't think mm -hmm. he if he was going to over to european open would be expecting to win um but yeah, just, i don't see felberg's name on it yeah, but either way, it's just it's crazy that he's the most recent non Macbeth winner. Like, I can't emphasize that uh, enough. Now, I'm not going to mm -hmm. say Paul Macbeth's a lock to win this weekend, or not this weekend, excuse me. Uh, next weekend, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves mm -hmm. here. But, like, you got to, he's a five time winner here. No one else has won yeah. since 2011. Like, I'm giving him a good shot. Yeah, I think, I mean, especially the recent success not the recent success but the success over the years that paul has had at this tournament and kind of sometimes in dominant fashion but then other times where i think back in one of my favorite coverages to watch is the 2019 european open where rick and eagle are battling it out and paul Macbeth at one point i think is sitting like six or seven back during the final round ends up coming back to win it and then you go back i think 2017 or 2018 Greg Barsby's winning the tournament for 71 holes. And on the 72nd hole, Paul Macbeth takes the lead and ultimately takes the win. Um, so yeah. pretty awesome that we got another major coming up. Really, really excited for that. Um, and, and what's just, exciting about this too, is that we talk about the boom of disc golf and mm -hmm. the last time this event happened was it was 2019, right? 2018, 2019, yes. either way, like yeah. not a lot of people have seen this event um and mm -hmm. seeing like kind of how incredible it is it's it, i mean if you haven't looked at it like i almost kind of compare it to 
a little bit like a USDGC kind of course. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not quite the same, you know, you know, how Monster L sticks out there, but it, it kind of feels a little bit similar, but uh, it's really well known for its yeah. fans. Like uh, on 18, yeah. you just like long drive, uh, par four, maybe it's a par mm -hmm. five, par four. Yep. Uh, yep. Very, four. very long drive. Uh, and you just see fans all the way up that and then it kind of turns to the right and goes uphill and you still see fans all around. And then it's like kind of a really tight green. Um, mm -hmm. And you just see like the spectacle of all the spectators. Uh, and that's really incredible. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, super yeah, I think this, the spectator has always been such an incredible thing about the European Open and just seeing what Europe has to offer in their terms of a disc golf community and disc golf scene. Um, that's always kind of been the precedent of what we want our U.S. tournaments to look like. And I think at some points we've had incredible success, but I think at some points, like when we hit certain areas of the tour, the courses just don't allow for a massive spectator flow. I mean, you can see a ton of people out at 18 at Idlewild, but at the same time, you're not watching them, you know, on holes, you know, like seven, eight, nine, really in the tight wooded stuff. They're not surrounding the holes like you get to see at European Open and kind of like the the golf course style vibes. But luckily with the European Open, with how incredibly open slash wooded it is in certain holes, um, it's such a great spectacle. And you don't think you're I mean, you're not playing a golf course, which is awesome. And they do minor tweaks to it, I think, pretty much here and there every single year. Um, but relatively, it stayed pretty much the same as it's been going on the last few years which i think is awesome it's just it's just such a fun a fun spectacle of disc golf to watch and um, i'm excited for the players going out there and i think one of the notables especially is eagle mcmahon um looks to be making his kind of return to disc golf after battling with some injuries throughout the year so i think having eagle back and someone had tweeted this I forget the account it might have been green splatter or something like that on twitter but they just said eagle mcmahon's coming back into a sport that you know, all these new players are winning. Like, it's not the same disc golf that he left just a few months ago. We have so many incredible players playing. And I think this kind of also leads back to one of the discussions that we had a few weeks ago of just like, are the top players in our sport not playing great right now? Or are players like the Isaac Robertson who just put up a heater this last weekend, are they just playing that much better? So, like, where is disc golf right now? Have we finally hit the point to where everything's evened out and we just have 10 to 20 incredible players that could win week in and week out? Uh, I think one of the conversations that we might have later tonight is like, who is going to be the next elite series winner winning for their first time? And we've already had a couple going on in the MPO side and in the FPO side. So pretty awesome stuff to see. I think disc golf is in an incredible spot right now. I mean, I know the disc golf network and a lot of the players over at the Sula open, I was watching a little bit of coverage of that today. And I thought one of the pretty crazy things was James Conrad, who is tied for the lead at that tournament went over there, played the course blind, literally just played Idlewild, flew over, got into town, and I think maybe rested for a day or two, and then just goes out and shoots the hot rounds, like 1065 rated or something like that. So pretty great to see, but I think a lot of, a lot of cool disc golf coming up. Don't forget to uh, check out the disc golf network for the Sula Open going on right now. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild seeing a disc golf pro tour event over in Europe. Uh, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll see the European Open on DGN, but that's a, a major... I, I don't know exactly who officially runs it. Um, it's not, I don't think it's PGA and I don't think it's Innova. Um, but either way, that's not the point is, is disc golf pro tour being over in Europe. They're traveling with all their camera equipment, which is crazy. Like, and with all the airline fiasco that's going right now, like they're oh, yeah. not sure if they could pull it off. And luckily they did. Um, but we get live coverage like early in the morning. And I don't know if anyone, like if you're a Premier League soccer fan or other European soccer leagues, and it's like that whole culture around like getting up at like 7 a.m. to go watch uh, a European team play each week. 
uh, we kind of like get that little taste of that in disc golf where we got some silver series action that I think starts at eight 30 Eastern for the next mm-hmm. couple days. Uh, and then not sure the exact times for Finland, uh, the Nokia, um, excuse me, the, uh, European open in Nokia. Uh, but that's gonna be early. Cause I think, uh, Finland's a chunk East of Norway. I think it's in a different time zone. So it's going to be a little bit earlier, bigger field, or, or maybe it's organized different where you'll have a kind of the standard split broadcast. So we might have some super early disc golf, like kind of crazy, but also super exciting. I'm excited. Like yeah. all this kind of just live coverage, kind of disc golf pro tour getting over there. Of course, they have their mm-hmm. tours that are phenomenal as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's just exciting to see all this. We're kind of getting a fresh taste of the tour or fresh as in we haven't seen it for a little bit. Oh, definitely. I thought uh, really quick, we got a couple more minutes before we're going to bring in Isaac Robinson. Um, but one of the cool things that I was actually just looking at in the PDGA page was at the Idlewild tournament, they paid out the 34th place, must have been a big tie, kind of going down the top 40%, whatever. And Ezra Robinson, Isaac's brother, was tied for last cash in that tournament. So I thought nice. that was just kind of a cool little, you know, you get the first place winner and then you get the last cash winner in that yeah, category we- with a lot of a lot of people, notably a lot of people who missed cash. I think there's a decent amount of people that we could talk about even just for a few minutes, but I'm going to quickly roll down just the top of this list was uh, a Brody Smith, Chandler Fry, Andrew Fish, who's a great woods player, Albert Tam, who's a silver series winner this year. Uh, Drew Gibson, Casey White, one of our homies, uh, Trevor Harbolt, Luke Sampson, Mason Ford and Grady Shue. Grady Shue hasn't played too, too much this year, but Grady Shue um, is a great, great player. Mason Ford missing it. Zach Arlinghouse, we saw him on round one coverage of the Jomez. So I think just some notables kind of missing cash at that tournament. Um, I think just kind of proves how difficult it was to score in those weather conditions and then also just scoring on that course in general. Uh, it's it's I'm no put, easy task. I'm going to put a quick take on it is I think we talk about winning getting so much harder. I think it's it's less about winning getting so much harder because I think we're still seeing, you know, the top players winning Isaac Robinson being a first time winner, but he played 1064 mm-hmm. uh, disc golf. Like that's incredible. That deserved to win. Uh, I think it's just the bigger topic is how much harder it is to cash. I mean, we saw Kayla Visca's yeah. cash streak and we saw Nate Sexton get pretty, pretty close to losing it Wait, a Kale, few times. Kale's ended. Yeah. Las Vegas. When did Kale, what? Las Vegas. That's right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, and that's right. Nate, Nate Sexton is still rolling with this. Yeah. But he has, he had some close calls uh, mm-hmm. and thinking cash streaks in the future, I think is going to be so much like, more wild even the top players today like yeah. paul mcbeth ricky Wysocki, Eel mcmahon they don't have cash streaks that are very long mm-hmm. that are active mm-hmm. so i mean paul's cash streak is what only three tournaments four tournaments right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, just about like, and, that's just uh, how difficult i mean i'll tell you this you know uh minus eight at the last tournament that they just played ida wild uh birdie smith went 1042 round one shot a thousand round two and shot thousand six round three i mean those are all thousand plus rated rounds and no cash to go along with that. Yeah. This golf's it, hard, man. It's tough. I, yeah, I actually should look, yeah. really look into kind of what the kind of rating threshold is mm-hmm. to, uh, to get cash and kind of what mm-hmm. that is to set a goal. How much does that kind of change from tournament to tournament? Um, yeah, it would be really cool to dive into another point you were making that I kind of think that's really interesting is we talk about siblings. We talked about that just a week or two mm-hmm. ago too. Um, mm-hmm. Of course we have Valerie and Alexis who are both, fantastic we, we had the uh lens twins on the lens twins might be yeah. up there very soon in the uh the tour side of uh the um game but isaac and ezra both cashing when was the last time we see two uh male siblings cash i mean we talk about the sextons but 
Collins I think I think we'd have to look lot. back at the Sextons. What is the last tournament that the Sextons both played at? I mean, are there a lot of other brother brother combos out in the disc golf world that compete? Compete? I mean, I know the Earhart's, Brian Earhart and Thomas Earhart. Um, they're both incredible player. Um, other than that, I don't really know off the top of my head. John Macbeth doesn't go out and tour, so can't count that one. But yeah, I don't know. I think definitely something we could look into, but we've uh, reached a point right now, folks, where it's about 7.20 p.m. Eastern time, and this is exactly when we wanted to bring in our latest Elite Series MPO winner, Isaac Robinson. And here he is. Oh, we don't have sound from Isaac, though. All set now. Go ahead. Oh, how's it going, Isaac? Oh, oh we don't have his mic, though. Oh. Hold on one second, folks. So right. Isaac, right now, he's actually on the screen, but... Try again. Go ahead. Mm. Oh, no. Still uh, knocking audio. Ben's working hard behind the scenes, guys. Everyone yep. give Ben a shout-out. He is killing it. Remember, Matt is out in Illinois with his uh, mm -hmm. his kids playing in Junior Worlds. Yeah. Uh, we got Junior Worlds going on. We got Masters Worlds going on right now. I mean, still an absolute insane amount of disc golf going on right now. So I think uh isaac whenever you get a chance just keep talking into it and when we start hearing your voice great if uh we just keep talking over you that means we don't hear you yet so let's see all right well what i'm gonna do now is kind of i guess just brush up on masters worlds going on right now yeah go for it so let me click on to this and I know right now the MP40 group is out playing currently. And so I'm just going to take a look at live scores. Alan Wagner from Iowa looks like is actually leading the event by three strokes over Joe Rivera, Martin Hendel, and Michael Johansson just finished at a minus one. Man. And then Owen Scoggins leading the pro woman 40 plus division. Uh, you want to know it was actually kind of a big surprise for me, Evan, this last week is that Holly Finley is playing in this event. And I didn't realize, I think she is 39 years old, which gives her the eligibility to be able to play in this event. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't I didn't realize that, though. So that was kind of cool. Juliana Corver sitting in third place right now with Sarah Hokum sitting in yeah, fourth place. I was going to go to that name as Sarah Hokum. I did not notice mm -hmm. that she was eligible mm -hmm. to play. I mean, that just speaks. We uh, yeah. talk about own often, but all the other yeah. ladies you named and the men like are killing it in mm -hmm. the divisions, too. Uh, like any of these could win open on any given week, too. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was crazy that Owen Scoggins just goes from getting second place at Idlewild to jumping right over into Pro Masters Worlds, and now she's leading by four strokes going into the third round for them, which is pretty awesome. And then one yeah. of the, one of the all time greats of the sport, Barry Schultz, leading the Pro Fifty Division, two strokes over Johnny McRae right now. Johnny McRae notably having a little bit of a health scare. Actually, I shouldn't say a little bit, having a major health scare early this year. And um, I think we're all set oh, with did I just hear him? Yep, yep. Yeah. There we go. Let's go. We got him. Intern Ben working his magic. We're good. Sweet. Isaac, congratulations. Massive, massive win this past weekend. I guess first things first, just tell us kind of your mindset, how it's been the last few days that you've kind of been able to soak it all in. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I've been, you know, I've been extremely excited, obviously. Um, my, you know, that's, that's a big win and that's my first one. So uh, just trying to process all of the emotions, um, all of the things happening around me. Um, been very busy answering messages. Um, mm -hmm. This is the third podcast I've been on in two days. Uh, so <laughs> just talking to a lot of people, um, just staying busy. So and and resting at home this week. So it's been been really good. 
where where is home for you? Um, just outside Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, gotcha. Good courses around there. Just get a lot of chances to play. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really good courses around here. Awesome. Well, I guess pretty much at this point, let's kind of like dive into the more interview style of the podcast. And uh, I'm sure you've probably talked about this on the last few podcasts that you've been on. But for the people who don't know, how did you get into disc golf? I know you were a college student recently. Kind of like how did you get into the tour life of disc golf? Just pretty much bring us into the history of yourself. Yeah. So I started playing disc golf when I was about five or six years old. Um, so I've been playing for about 15 years. Um, you know, that's that's with my brother, um, with my dad, um, and basically the rest of my family as well. Um, so he would just drag us out to the park. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I was um, about 11 or 12, started playing tournaments. Um, and then when I was 15, I started playing professional um, mm-hmm. at some of the local tournaments and uh, was doing all right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in... 2014, I got to play the performance flight at USDGC um, back when they had that. And that's kind of when I got hooked, I think. Um, Such a cool experience. And then going on from there, uh, just played, you know, a lot of local professional tournaments. And then Mm -hmm. when I could, I went out to uh, Ledgestone for the first time. And I've loved it ever since. So very cool. Yeah. Nice. And you're in the hotbed of Prodigy Discs being based in Georgia. You're a Prodigy player. How long have you been with them? When? How did that kind of start? And uh, how's it going? Yeah, so I first was with Prodigy back in 2016 um, when I was 15. Um, I got to play with Will Schustrick in um, a doubles skins match at a local tournament. And uh, and we won most of the money. And so that was that was really neat um getting partnered with such a big name uh because he was you know one of the best players in the world at that point mm-hmm. and uh a couple weeks later a couple months later he sent us um some discs asking us to be on team prodigy um which was really neat of him and uh, i still have those discs and so i was with prodigy for uh three years so 2016 to 2019 and then i went to mvp um for two years and played on team MVP, uh, which was great. Uh, they were an awesome team. And then this past year, Prodigy reached out again, um, and now I'm back on team Prodigy. So I'm very happy. Nice. What, what's kind of been in the, the decision-making? I, I mean, you've been sponsored for a while. It's what it kind of sounds like. What's kind of been the decision-making of, you know, jumping companies, jumping ship to a different one, and then going back to the one that ultimately gave you the first chance and things? Yeah, so I went with MVP the first time just because I needed a, a change of pace. Um, I played really bad in a tournament and was just gonna kind of quit, give up. I was I wasn't feeling good, and I was like, you know, what? I just need new discs to try. So mm-hmm. I sent an application to MVP, um, and they were like, sure, absolutely. Um, so it was just kind of a, a neat thing to try for a couple of years, um, and then this this past year, Prodigy reached out. Uh, they gave me a fantastic contract um, and also having friends on the team um, was a huge motivation as well, um, including my brother. So <laughs> it was nice. it was nice to be with um, some lo- local guys that I knew um, and then also my brother as well being on the same team. Gotcha. Yeah. And so speaking of your brother, I'm going to bring him up. Uh, what's kind of the dynamic between both of you guys being such great players and to kind of fuel the fire just a little bit. The the first one of you guys to get a top 10 finish on the disc golf pro tour was Ezra. You got a seventh place at 
you know where Idlewild. uh so um how does the dynamic between you guys, but then also you winning Idlewild, does that kind of totally just trump his first top 10 finish between you guys at Idlewild two years ago? Um, yeah, I think, my, I think my win trumps his seventh place, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've been competitive for as long as I can remember. Um, so he's, he's driven me to succeed and I'm sure I've done the same thing for him. Uh, so we just push each other to get better uh, back and forth all the time. You know, uh, whenever we're in a tournament together, it's like 50-50 who's going to win. So, (laughs) yeah, it's been a good battle. So tell me about kind of the goals in disc golf. Now, I'm sure you just completed a goal in disc golf this past weekend. But before this event happened, what was your coming out of college from, I think, what I've heard just kind of throughout, you just started pretty much full-time touring. Mm -hmm. What were excuse me, what was kind of your goals at the beginning of this whole year? And then how have they changed now that you've accomplished something that only a select few people in the world will ever accomplish? Yeah. So my goals um, starting out on tour were really just to see how well I could do. Um, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Um, You know, Portland was like a huge surprise for me um, getting third there. Um, That was my first podium finish at at an elite series. And um, from then on, I kind of made it my goal to get top 10 in any elite series. But, uh, you know, the preserve obviously didn't end up that way. Um, and then Idlewild, you know, I just kind of went in just trying to play my best, uh, get top 10. Um, I ended up taking it down. So I was more than happy with that. But moving forward, um, top 10, I think, is still a, a good goal for me. Um, you know, it's not going to be easy. But uh, I want to win some more as well, because mm-hmm. now that I, I've shown myself that I can win, um, I think I can do it more often. Yeah, exactly. What what was it about this past weekend? You kind of talk about how Preserve didn't really go the way that you wanted to. Portland went incredible. What was it about this weekend that just everything clicked? It, it, it's kind of what it seems like. I mean, from the Utah stats, you were 100% circle 1X, but apparently you had said there was one putt, either the first or the second round on hole one, whatever. UDISC says you were 100% circle 1X. Just kind of what was it about this weekend that, where it just made everything click? Yeah, I think obviously the putting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was feeling confident from circle two, and when I'm feeling confident from circle two, usually that means circle one is is even better. Um, so the putting for sure, uh, just the, the discs I was throwing, the mids and the putters, um, I think I threw maybe like three drivers, um, on two holes, you know, hole 16 and I don't even know the whole five, um, were the only holes I threw drivers on. So I was just playing smart, playing, uh, mid range putter golf and, and it, it worked out. (laughs) Now, is that something you kind of see yourself doing more towards kind of the back half of the season is just kind of really toning it down? I think we've seen some incredible success, notably Simon Lazat, who is known for the Simon lines. And then we've seen him kind of tone down his game due to an injury and kind of just really, you know, attacking it in a different way. Is that something you kind of just see yourself throughout the rest of the year, just really relying on those putters and mids when, you know, you're allowed to, I guess? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you I mean, everybody's seen how it works out for Simon, uh, two, two events in a row he won. Um, so yeah, I think I'm not an aggressive player. Um, so anything I can keep, you know, in the middle, um, in the fairways, uh, I'll I'll be throwing a mid or a putter just to keep it safe. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like Idlewild is kind of, uh, 
the course on tour that plays the most to your game? I mean, being from Georgia, I would kind of expect the woods is kind of like your home on course, uh, on the course on, on tour, excuse me. Uh, so if there was Idlewild the one to win, or do you think that there's other courses coming up that you also got a really good shot on? I mean, we saw Portland as well, which was on a golf course or, and blue Lake. Uh, and you also crushed it there. So what do you kind of expect for future courses? Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Ledgestone. Um, you know, Lake Eureka, uh, that's a great course. I love that course. One of my favorites. And then of course, Northwood Black. Um, so you got kind of two opposite courses there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I would, I would love to take down Ledgestone. You know, that's, that would be incredible but it's going to take going to take a lot of work. Yeah. And if you're talking yeah. about playing kind of uh not aggressive, maybe more conservative as your game, I would I would guess that Northwood Black would be a good good course for you then. Kind of just exactly. picking picking your battles there. Uh I, yep. I want to bring it back to the putting for a second and uh, I'm going to bring up specifically hole 17 in the final round. Uh cuz I'm sure you've watched it over. At least DGN was like, yeah, he's got to just be laying this up. Ian and Philo were like just there's no other way, you know, with the tough green, OB all around just talk us through was there any choice in your mind uh or was it just you walked up and you're just like i'm cashing this and that's the end of the story just talk yeah yeah i think um <laughs> yeah well, i was surprised to hear them uh, think i should lay it up actually when i was listening to the commentary um i did not want to tie with chris and a bogey on 18 is so easy to do um and he was making shots happen all day and I knew he was, you know, if he had to, he was going to get a birdie. And I knew that if I had to, you know, I could get a bogey. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I wanted that that three-stroke cushion. Um, and so that putt, you know, I, I felt like in my mind I had to make it just to make it, you know, even more secure. Because, uh, yeah, I didn't want to go into a sudden death playoff with Chris. <laughs> so speaking about the putt, where did you – sorry, I'm intern Ben out of the cut. <laughs> um, but speaking about the putt, where did you get that buttery, silky smooth form of just kind of – it's like it reminds me of a Steph Curry floater. Like, uh, oh, let's go. Where that where that come from? It's kind of unconventional, but it's seen seen the work. Yeah, so I it wasn't it wasn't intentional. Um, I made a decision uh, several years ago that I was just gonna putt how I felt was natural, um, and not change it at all, um, and just practice that putt over and over and over um, for hours. And so, uh, yeah, it just <laughs> that's what feels natural to me. So. Uh, it looks a little weird every time I watch it on coverage. I'm like, dang, nobody else really puts like that. It's yeah. kind of but uh, it's working out. You know, it feels comfortable to me, and and I like it. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you can definitely say that's working out. Um, I think one of the you know awesome things you're still kind of a young player in our sport. Um, your name's really getting out there at this point, and you beat notably all the best players in the world, barring, you know, Eagle McMahon not being there with an injury going on right now. I mean, what's this kind of do for you confidence wise of like, you, you realize that you can do it now and you've beaten all the best players in the world at arguably one of the toughest courses. I mean, is this kind of like just really throw you into where like, you know what, this just solidified. I'm a disc golfer for as long as I can be a disc golfer or do you have other plans? No, I think definitely, uh, you know, first of all, a huge confidence boost. Um, yeah, just feeling very confident right now, very confident in my game. Um, as far as, you know, the future goes, I think, yeah, I can see this doing something, being something I do for, for a while, um, especially coming off this win. You know, I wasn't too sure. I was kind of testing the water, see how it would go this summer. 
Um, but with this win, uh, it definitely feels like it's something I could do more often. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Evan, you got something else? I'll, I'll keep rolling with some questions. So no, I was, I was going to get into, we were just discussing Europe. Uh, I don't see a schedule to head over to Europe uh, in the coming uh, week or two. So let us know what you're doing instead of going to Europe. Are you getting some rest in, still hitting tournaments? And then do you plan on hitting Europe at some other point in your career? Yeah, man, I would love to hit up Europe. Uh, that's that's one of my dreams is just to travel. Uh, I've never been out of the country, so Europe would be a great opportunity to do that. Um, instead of going to Europe, I'm going to play the Brett Hamburg Memorial um, in Ohio on the way to Deglo. Um, so I'll be playing um, everything stateside. You know, I'm taking this week off, mm-hmm. but after that, uh, yeah, full steam ahead till till October. So for a lot of you know, new players getting into the sport, trying to figure out whether this is something that they can do as a career position in their life. You know, what's kind of your practice regimen like? I mean, going full out on the road right now, it's not easy. I think we've talked about this in the past where there's not really a lot of time to legitimately hone in the skill set of your game besides for going out and practicing new course week in and week out. Kind of what's your practice regimen on a week off that you're having right now in preparation for your next A tier? What are you doing to get better? What are you doing? You know, what are you trying to work on? Yeah, so I am definitely trying to uh, continue the putting. Um, Putting is one of those things where if you take a day or two off, it can get all out of whack. Um, So definitely staying consistent in practice putting. Uh, I'll go out to a field um, and just throw mids and putters and some drivers, uh, just trying to land them all as close to to each other as possible. Um, Practice accuracy, um, but only for like, you know, an hour or two every couple days um so not overdoing it but just staying loose um making sure i stay loose before the tournaments Mm -hmm. i think uh another kind of massive thing going along with this win is a pretty nice payday i mean a seven thousand dollar check coming into your paypal account that's pretty awesome is this kind of something where you know it's just kind of a realization of like disc golf you can make legitimate money out of and then does this kind of help out i guess you know you had talked about the different sponsorships that you've had in the past with prodigy to mvp back to prodigy are you signing one-year contracts or are you trying to sign multi-year now this win is obviously a good bargaining chip going into the next one what does kind of your future look like in that regards of things yeah so i mean huge paycheck um almost double what i've what i've made to this point in a single tournament mm-hmm. um, so that's that's pretty cool um yeah, as far as contracts go, uh, I've signed a three-year contract with Prodigy okay. um, starting this year. So I'll be with them for the foreseeable future. Um, and I'm, you know, after after the three years, uh, I'd be more than happy to sign with Prodigy again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, one of the things, we got about 10 more minutes before we throw you into a little stat or fiction game, but I kind of want to open it up to the chat. If you guys got any questions, um, go ahead, throw them in the chat. We want to try to get down to... Uh everyone's questions but evan ben you guys got anything right off the rip so yeah the 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 big talking point uh kind of before you hit in the swing of the tour was you just graduated college um and if i'm correct it was with a business degree so do you have any plans to use a degree while touring is there any kind of like like kind of business opportunities you could kind of get to and skills that you could use with that or is that going to kind of just sit on the back uh, burner until maybe after your playing career is over yeah, absolutely. I think um, a business degree out here is uh, is a great asset. Um, 
being able to, to build your own brand, to advertise for yourself, um, whether it be through social media, um, face-to-face conversations, uh, really the possibilities are, are endless. And I, I definitely plan to use the, the business degree while on tour. It, and bringing up building your own brand, I'm going to go there. Last year, we saw, you know, Kyle Klein almost take down Eagle McMahon while wearing his jersey. Today, we're seeing you with a nice Kevin Jones hat on. We saw you wearing it on coverage, too. So are you just repping your guy? Do you have any plans on maybe dropping your own hat soon? Man, I would love to, you know, I love repping Kevin Jones. He's a great guy. Um, but I'd, I'd love some, some of my own hats. You know, Prodigy hasn't said anything, but. You know, I'm sure I'm sure we could get something in the works if I ask them. Hey, if only you knew someone <laughs> with a business go. degree, you know, maybe. you could. <laughs> yeah, since, since yeah. we're speaking on business, Prodigy, I, I think there needs to be Isaac Robinson discs now, They're a tour series. Come on, cut this man a check. He just won for you. Well, I think I think they did. Did they release something recently after this win? They did. Yes, they they released some commemorative discs. Um, they are being an M1, right? Yes, the M1 is that, is, is that kind of your go-to mid-range? It's it's for some odd reason I, I I don't see a lot of people throw M1s and M2s, and uh, I mean I remember those being a disc that like Ricky Wysocki back when he was on Project used to love them. So I'm kind of surprised it doesn't get thrown out there more. But an M1 that's kind of your go-to Absolutely. for uh, mid-ranges. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Now talk talk about the flight of an M1. Just kind of like if you're trying to sell someone an M1, why is that the disc that you wanted to put your stamp on? Yeah, so um, an M1, brand new, out of the box, it will fly basically, I th- a good comparison would be like a Rock 3. Um, so something that's slightly stable, um, gets a decent amount of glide. But then as you beat it up, um, the one that I have is about six years old. Um, so you can get all sorts of lines out of it, you know, whether that be hyzer lines, flip-up lines, or even anhyzer lines. Um, so once you, once you work it in, it becomes a very versatile disc. Nice. All right. I'm going to throw you kind of some rapid fire questions, just kind of out of the chat. You can answer them however brief you'd like to, but uh, what other MPO player do you pull the most inspiration from? Uh, Definitely Ricky Wysocki. Okay. And quick reason why? Yeah, just his positivity on the course. Um, I think he's a great guy, both on and off the course, and he's, he's somebody I look up to. Nice. How much confidence does throwing the same mid and putter over and over provide to you? And if he starts missing his lines with a disc, does he change up his game plan? Uh, it provides a lot of confidence. Um, just throwing the same disc over and over uh, really boosts my confidence. And then okay. I have a bad shot. Um, I just throw it better next time, you know? <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Don't lose the confidence in it. Uh, what was that clear yellow disc you were throwing off the tee so much? I believe that was the M1. M1. Okay. And then someone had just said, Sue, she said she wishes you would make a video on your putting technique. I've never seen a player have their palm upwards on the follow through. And I think we kind of hashed on this earlier. It's just a putting form that you felt was comfortable to you and you just worked on it and kind of made it go. Do you, do you divulge much in the content creation world of things right now? We've seen so many disc golfers kind of really get into the YouTube aspect of things. I'm sure. I mean, how much has your follower count grown in this last week, let's say on Instagram, I mean, were you below a thousand, above a thousand before? I know when I messaged you, you were over like thirty five hundred. So, yeah, at the uh, before Idlewild, as I was at seventeen hundred, I believe. Okay. Or right around there, and now yeah. I'm now I'm at thirty seven, thirty eight hundred. So yeah, yeah, nice. There you go. 
Uh, yeah. I have. Do you I, have I, oh, sorry, go ahead. but I have another. No, go ahead. I have another question. Um, that probably everyone wants to know. You probably answered a couple, two, three times. What's the whole idea to for you behind the whole? Pretty much step on the T pad. Don't think, rip it. And I saw a video where you kind of like were joking and say, just get up there and rip it. Don't think. So what's mm-hmm. the whole idea behind that? Yeah, I don't, I don't see any point in taking any extra time, you know, getting your own head. Um, as long as I've checked the wind and I've checked, you know, the footing, um, you know, I look at my line and I look at what I want to hit and I just throw it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Simple. Experience. All right. I'll give you a kind of one last two part question before we get into stat or fiction. Uh, what is your favorite course to play currently? And is there a course that you have not played yet that you cannot wait to play just throughout the uh, pro tour just in general? My favorite course currently, um, I think it has to be USDGC course, Winthrop Gold. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no so, kidding. Um, a course I cannot wait to play is Maple Hill. Um, okay. There yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I was like 11 last time I played it. And okay. Gotcha. Forward to going back. Nice. Well, we always say it to our guests whenever they talk about Maple Hill, our podcast studio is located probably seven minutes or so from it. So we'll all have to meet up when we're up there for the uh, Maple Hill or the MVP Open. Absolutely. So, and definitely. To, and to we'll, back up your USDGC being your favorite course, you know, it, it, it wasn't your first elite or major win, but you did finish eighth last year, 15th the year before and 21st in 2019. Three straight top 25s. Uh, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty respectable right there. So well done. And a top 10 solidifies you no matter what for a guaranteed spot the next year's USDGC. So I guess that's kind of kind of be a little relief of just knowing that you've already qualified for an event that you love so yeah. much, I guess, at this point. So that's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. What what makes you love that course so much? Just genuinely curious. <laughs> I, they can't I mean, it, I guess. I, I, I don't hate it. I, I mean, I've played it for practice rounds while other people are practicing to actually play the tournament. I've never played the tournament before. Um but to me, it's 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 a course, and it's nothing that I rave about. But I'm genuinely curious. I would never knock it in the sense of like, dude, if you love the course, by all means, it's your cup of tea. Yeah, I think it's more. I love the tournament. Um, okay. The tournament atmosphere at the, at that yeah. course uh, is just amazing. Um, there you go. Yeah, I, I like. If there was an answer, I'm glad you said it's that one right there. So I, this guy was about to walk up and be like, I love nothing more than throwing between two green covered uh, poles. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, Ben, Evan, you guys got anything left? No, let's bring it into stat or fiction. Stat or fiction. There we go. Stat or fiction presented by stat Mando. Now, Isaac, I don't know if you've ever watched the show before, but we'll let Evan kind of roll through the rules and all that stuff about stat or fiction. Yeah. So I will say a statement uh, and you kind of choose if it's a stat as in it's true. It is a valid statement or it is fiction as in is not true and it is not correct. Uh, So an example I always give uh, is between our two uh, main hosts, although he's not in here, but Nick Carl is rated higher than Matt Graham. You would say stat, uh, you know, Nick's over a thousand mats in the mid nine hundreds. So uh, I don't know if you know uh, Matt too much, but uh, that's how the game goes. So I'll get right into it. And we mentioned your brother earlier and I'm bringing him right back. Uh, I mentioned his seventh place finish at 2020 Idlewild. And that was the best uh, Robinson finished uh, before your fifth at Waco earlier this year. So, the stat or fiction is 
every round from Isaac's 2022 Idlewild win was rated higher than the top round from Ezra's 2020 Idlewild seventh place. So if you can think what your worst round was this past weekend, I am saying that that was better than Ezra's best round in 2020. So and I'll start it first. It'll go me, then Ben, then yourself. Then question two will go Ben, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so I'm going to roll with a stat. I'm going to go fiction just because, uh, you know, I'm pulling for Ezra. I, I hope he did good in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go fiction as well. Oh, all right. Do we do we have the the stat or the fiction on the screen, Ben? Oh, my bad. Stat stat fiction. Yeah, um, Ben, don't forget. No, no, no. He he did fiction. Yeah, I, uh, Isaac went fiction as well. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I messed it up. Yeah, there my we apologies. Go. I'm pulling up the tournament from 2020 real quick. This is a fiction. Uh, this uh, past weekend, Isaac Robinson shot a 1054 in round three. That was his worst round rating, which I I don't uh, think that's any kind of a slouch of a rating. Ben. That's fantastic. Um, but Ezra shot a 1055 in round three of 2020, just barely one ahead. Uh, and that was, as I was saying, that was his best round, one better than your worst round in round rating. Ben, I, I said stat on that one, so throw me down to zero points. Oh, yeah. my bad. You you got a point though, Ben. No, I said stat. You said right? fiction. Oh, I don't know. Ben has <laughs> okay, an Ben, issue you get zero points for not producing. You get zero points for not knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. We can see what the, the chat said if they remember. Did I? All there right. But let's get it let's get into number two. Uh so Isaac Robinson is the first player to beat Paul Macbeth by 14 or more strokes in an event this season when Paul Macbeth plays every single round. So I'll, I'll be very clear, that does not include DDL where he missed the cut just because the strokes are a little bit different. Um, so Isaac Robinson is the first player to beat Paul Macbeth by 14 strokes in an event this season. So it goes to you, Ben. <laughs> Say that again. Isaac Robinson <laughs> is the first player to beat Paul Macbeth by 14 or more strokes in an event this season. I mean, you crushed like fourth place by like what eight strokes? So I'd say stat. I think right. that's a stat. I I don't know. I I gotta say stat. All right, that was quick. The answer is fiction isaac is actually the second player to do that ricky wysocki was the first at texas states he shot a 29 down and paul Macbeth was 15 down uh and notably simon lazat was very close at otb open he shot a 20 down paul Macbeth was a seven down that's only 13 but then isaac this past weekend uh, was 33 down compared to paul Macbeth's 19 round which was also a uh 14 stroke difference so I mean, as I said, wasn't I guess I didn't think about that one because Paul was winning after round one. So I guess I totally forgot about that event. I was trying to think of events that I was like, all right, he won Waco, he got second at Belton, but I guess I missed Texas State's altogether. Yeah, and we didn't even get to that. How uh, asking Isaac about how <laughs> watching his scores before you even tee off, just like, oh my goodness, is this guy going to shoot another eighteen down? Mm -hmm. um, but all right getting into the third and final one um 
Alexis Mandujano beat Valerie Mandujano this past week. And we're talking about that sibling sibling matchup. The stat or fiction is um, this is the first time Alexis beat Valerie in all of 2022. So, Isaac, this one's going to you first. If you need a little bit more time to think about it or me repeat it, let me know. Is that just including Elite Series or any tournament? All tournaments this year, this is the first time Alexis beat Valerie in 2022. I think that's a, I think that's a fact or a stat. Stat. Nice. Yeah. Stat. There's no way you go fiction, fiction, or f- what did you stat on <laughs> He's the last one? The game. Oh, no. Steve Falco. No, Nick's I got to get a point, it. though. But, like, if I say stat, so this was the first time that would be the stat. If I said stat, this would be the first time? Uh, yes. Yeah. If you say fiction, okay. you're saying it has happened before. It has happened before. All right, yeah. I'm going to go with fiction. You, you do think it's happened before? I do think oh, okay. it has happened okay. before. Yep. Yes. I'll go with stat mando all right this is fiction Um, so uh at otb open alexis beat valerie i'll say there are places uh alexis came in fourth and valerie came in 12th but that was our final question so we got to do a tiebreaker uh, this one is not going to be kind of stat or fiction. It's just going to be a number, and it's whoever's closest wins, not prices, right? You can be above or below, and that's fine. Whoever's closest wins. Um, and in case there's a tie, we'll do it. I don't know, something else. But uh, let's start it off with Nick. How many strokes do you think Alexis beat Val by at the OTB Open? Alexis was fourth, and Valerie was 12th. All right, uh, 12 strokes. 12 strokes. Uh, I'll go, I'll go eight. All right, Isaac. Oh, oh, do we miss audio? I think I heard him mouth four, not heard him saw. Yeah, Isaac, something probably on his end. Did something muted or? Hmm. All right, intern Ben is looking into it. I guess just yep. hold up a number for now. <laughs> I don't know why I would have muted. All right, Isaac's All holding right. up the it's number four. four. We'll try to fix his, fix his audio. <laughs> yeah. um, the correct answer is seven. So, hey, Ben, is this your first Tatter Fiction appearance? Uh, second. Second, but well, get, getting I, the tiebreaker dub. Yes, I think. We're going to have to go and review footage, but because I'm pretty sure I shouldn't have a point and Nick should have one. <laughs> no, I, we'll I see. definitely didn't get the first point. Okay, we'll see. Because the chat, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I have goodness. no clue what's happening. Yeah. The chat's saying differently. All right, and then if not, Isaac was the next closest. We'll, we'll have to check the replay. Uh, but as yeah. of now, check it goes the replay to after. Uh, are we good with Isaac's audio? Yes. Yeah, so I got go. an asterisk win. I'm like the Houston Astros. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Isaac, at that point, congratulations to Ben. He won Saturday Fiction, but we're just going to say you'd smoke him in a round of disc golf. I think at this point, you'd smoke <laughs> all of us in a round of disc see golf. See me at Maple Hill. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maple will get it, all get in a practice round and see if he beats him. Saturday <laughs> Fiction, does he beat him by 50 or more? <laughs> um, over under, I guess. I'll take the Anyways, over. Dude, I really appreciate you responding, getting back to us about coming on the show tonight. I know you said you had already done a couple podcasts this week. We think that is super, super awesome. So happy for you getting this massive win. And um, give yourself a shout out. 
shout out anyone that you want to yada 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 before we close it out yeah um i want to thank my sponsors uh prodigy disc and um disc god and uh you know all the fans out there i got well over gosh probably like three to four hundred messages this weekend and thank you guys so much for the support um giving me this opportunity to be on the show i really appreciate it awesome awesome Isaac, thank you so much. You have an incredible night and best of luck at your next events. We hope to see you back on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Have a good Peace. one. All right, see you. All right, there you go. That is Isaac Robinson, your latest Elite Series winner, winning the LWS Open at Idlewild. I think that is pretty, pretty freaking awesome. Super happy you got to come on the show tonight. Uh, one of the things that i would like to take a moment to do right now after such a great interview is talk to you guys about some incredible products hemfield botanicals gives us awesome cbd products uh this is the salve it is incredibly awesome smelling and it works great on your body i've gotten a new container recently and i've already been using it lately uh this is great for my back great for my ankles stuff like that um go ahead use the code nick and matt you will get 20 percent off of your order uh, there's so many incredible things that we could talk about it. One of the best things, I love the chapstick. It's an incredibly good tasting chapstick. I don't really know. Like it smells good. It doesn't feel bad. I don't really know if like that's how you talk about chapstick in that way. But I was never really much of a chapstick person until Hemfield Botanicals sent me my own chapstick now. So Ben, Evan, have you guys gotten a chance to really use it too, too much? Uh I'm a big fan of the cream. Uh, I got—I don't know if that's the official name of it. I'm sorry, but um, I, I got to say that is like endless. I've used it so much and I'm like and one of these days, I'm just going to try to use it and expect it to be empty, but it just keeps on going and going. Yeah. I'm just like a huge like calf and quad, just like tight and sore. Uh, and so like even just like one round of 18 holes, sometimes like I got to just spread it on. And so that works great for me. Mm hmm. No, definitely been an incredible product. Like I said, go ahead and use code Nick and Matt. And we've brought in <laughs> oh another guest into the show tonight. This is kind of, uh, you know, we don't really do this too often, but we are going to introduce what I'm assuming is our fellow co-host Matt Graham as a guest tonight, caddying and all that jazz for his boys Woo! who are out playing junior Ooh. worlds. Here we go. We got Matt Graham. Not going to lie. Kind of surprised you're not rolling around on the one wheel right now, but that's all right. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Crystal clear. Bomb it anytime I wanted without permission. I didn't <laughs> so I'm out here at Eureka Temp right now, which I see my video footage is probably a little laggy, but this is the, you, you know, you've been here before. Mm -hmm. So this is the throw. I'm actually on hole 18, but behind me is the water for the carry of one. And uh, maybe if I turn just right, you'll be able to see the water tower somewhere up behind me i don't know it's hard to do in reverse here but yeah oh, the water is, yeah. tower hold and on. i was able to walk i think it's hole nine like the bridge hole you know where mm -hmm. you throw across or through the bridge and it's like everyone comes out to maple hill and is always like matt it's so iconic like i love seeing all these holes and i'm always like yeah dude like i get to live there and see it all the time but when yeah. i come to a course like eureka where i've never been I get to do that. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. So mm -hmm. I'm out here, and I won't make this long. That's that's the last thing I'd say, right? I won't make this long, but <laughs> I'm out here, and I've got my whole family. I said, hey, let me just jump in the show real quick. But all four boys, my wife and my brother-in-law, and I just want to say two cool things. 
my eight-year-old Tanner was able to take down the long-distance comp at the World Championship. Let's go. Eight years old, 230 feet. He took down the skills challenge for his division, which is like they test all types of throws, right? And he was able to just outdo everybody in his division. Hunter's doing okay. The 12 and under division is super incredible. I'm talking like 12-year-olds. Yeah, dude shot like a 960, 970 rated round. I was just going to say 12-year-olds throwing down like 970 rated rounds. That's insane. Like Filthy. So Hunter's doing great for himself. He started out a little shaky, literally shaky emotions, legs. He felt really nervous. And then like round two, he was able to shoot close to 900, which is good for him. But so all of that's happening. It's pretty incredible. Um, the world championships is cool. Like I've seen, like I'm, dude. I'm. If you can't tell, I'm stoked. A Jay Redding, Barry Schultz, uh, Johnny McRae, mm-hmm. all these like OGs. Like I'm going up to him, being like, "Hey!" And guess what? This is the craziest part. Oh, Matt, we love the show. So it's like, I, it's like, what have we done? But yeah. this is this is really funny tonight. Walking up to Eureka Temp. Someone blows right by me, some some lady, I forget her name, Charity, Charity Goodwin. She walks by me and she goes right to my wife and she literally points at my wife and goes, I know you from the internet. And I'm like, nobody walks by me lately and says that to my wife. And they're like, I follow you or something like you're Matt's wife. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. My wife needs more attention for all the stuff I do, I guess. <laughs> it's pretty, there pretty funny. Pretty funny. So it's it's blast out here. World is crazy. It's cool. I couldn't keep up with half the competitors, but that's my story. I uh, patched into the show. So how did, how's it going? How's the show going? Incredible. We just uh, finished up the interview with Isaac. Dude's an absolute stud when it comes to playing disc golf, as you could see this past weekend. And then uh, now we're just rolling through, about to jump in a little Discure discussion in a little bit, talking about some awesome products on the show. And uh, I'm not going to lie, the chat has been saying, they're like, oh, it's, you know, Nick's really taking control of the questions tonight. And then they're just like, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's the Nick and Matt show, not the Matt and Nick show. And so even even when you're far away, Matt, they're still busting your balls a little bit. So They will. They will. And you know what's funny, though? And the guy totally messed up. And it's really, I say humbling, a privilege, really cool. The amount of people that are coming up, juniors included, that are like, are you Matt Graham? I love the show. Thank you so much. Right? Like, loads of people. And so, first of all, if you're listening, because they said they were going to be listening. If you're listening, shout out to all of you who came up and said hi. That is so cool to me. Like, really awesome. But, Nick, really funny. And, And to the guy who said this. I'm just being funny with this. He stopped me at the players meeting when I was getting out of my row and his face looked a little shocked. And and I don't know why he'd be shocked to see me, but maybe because I'm walking. I'm like, I'm going across his lap trying to get out of the row, like theater seating. And he's like, are you, are you Matt? Are you Matt Graham from the Matt and Nick show? The Matt? And I'm like, no, it's not the Matt and Nick show. It's the Nick and Matt show. But yes, I am Matt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have, so, we'll have to come out with X out, X out shirts and hats that say the Matt and Nick show. <laughs> Matt and Nick. It has like an X. It's like factory. Yeah, factory. yeah that'd be, <laughs> yeah, be awesome. So. But people love it, dude. And anyways, I'm here at festivities. They're giving out free ice cream at what? Eureka. But the line is like 30-something minutes long. It's free ice cream for everybody. And guess what? There's... 1100 competitors this week here 1100 including wow. juniors and masters and then you have to add in for the juniors all their parents and families so there's like 1500 people getting free ice cream and it's just it's the line's really long they have live music a band's playing in the background um they're gonna have fireworks here the it, anyway <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty spectacular they have all these food vendors nate heinold was i should go find him 
he was like, Matt, are you going to go live? And I was like, dude, let's go live right now. And we were kind of joking and he walked off. But like, uh, anyways, lots going on. I just crashed the show, my own show. I appreciate you guys taking a hold of this. And we'll keep having fun here. I know we've all crashed at some point when we've been out of studio. And so, uh, <laughs> long time yeah. listener, first time caller. Yeah, cool. exactly. Long time listener for a big fan, big fan, big Matt. fan, big fan, Nick. Oh, intern Ben, he's definitely my favorite. So, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, In- intern, oh, ben, intern Ben's been figuring out stuff on the fly oh, tonight. And Matt, then he's, it's, you know, been, it's been chaos. So but proud. I will yeah. say, I. Like I understand why you brought me in. <laughs> I was so flustered at Star Fiction. I for literally forgot what I said. If it was a Star Fiction, because I'll do it all the buttons. Like oh, like talking and, and doing the and then talking to the chat is just is crazy. It's so hard. That is why I brought you in. And I want to say I am proud. It's like a weird dad thing, but like. And I know we've joked about it before, Ben, when you got a ride with me down to Worcester, you're like, I'll, I'll be the, the fifth Ramboy or something. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but but the funny thing is, in a weird dad way, like, I'm like, you're running League Night, the other show on DGN, and I know that's trial by fire, and it's a lot more hard to produce, but you did that, and you're doing this, and you had troubles, and I told my wife, because we're driving, and I saw a text message come up, you're like, what do I do? And I'm like, honey, he has all the tools, he's going to sit there and figure it out, and then guess what, you did, so good job. <laughs> Let's go. Look at that. Ben did great. But hey, I want to hop in and say, Matt, I don't think you were able to listen to Isaac Robinson interview and you will later, but he did say, I think the, the question I kind of worded it weird. And now that I'm thinking about it, uh, was kind of the, what course he would do the best at coming up on tour. And he said, Eureka Lake. Uh, and that's where you are right now. So kind of funny. Uh, you'll listen to that and being like, what I was there when it happened. So. And then once again, he is another professional who cannot wait to get out to Maple Hill. Yeah, it's true. People say that. And they're like, oh, you're from Maple Hill. So I'm walking around here. And if it gets too loud, let me know. But I'm just going to say hi to people. Throw me on full screen. Yep. Okay. This is Jennifer Allen, everybody. Jen Allen. Wow. I know her. Oh, and uh, Rebecca Duffy, PDGA. I know like her. Something. And I, I don't know who Godfather of Disc Golf. Godfather of Disc PGJ number 100. There you go. I know. I was kidding. We just interviewed John Kirkland. He was just on our show. So we got to get more OGs on. This is side by side with Ed Hedrick right here. Ed Hedrick, side by side. This guy right here. So if you can't see him because you're listening to the podcast, come to the video and check it out. You'll see all right, I got a card for him. This is live. This is live TV. So, all right, cool. Good. Sorry. So, I'm sorry for the chaos, everybody, but there's a lot. There's a lot going on here, and I'm running in the way of games. Well, let's see if I can find someone else. You guys can talk over me and mute me until I find someone. We gotta get. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get like. I, I, can, I can mute you. Just uh, give us uh, give me uh, like a thumbs up, and I'll, I'll put you back on that. Okay. Cool. No oh, man, well, that uh, is too funny. It's kind of uh, I'm I'm trying to think. What do we you know talk over him when he's got all this stuff going on? So what do we talk about? And um, I guess one of the things that we can definitely do is just talk about one of the other great sponsors that we've had on the show, and that is the DG Max Wax. One of the most incredible things from them is the Snap Stick that uh, we've been able to use. Don't forget to use code Nick and Matt for your future getting a grip order. Uh, stuff is incredible, especially during the hot and humid weather. Use a towel or a birdie, birdie bag, whatever, to kind of dry off your hand. Throw on the snap stick. Use the little honey-scented mini right afterwards. You're going to feel incredible grip. 
and it's almost like that humidity doesn't come back just while you're throwing it and so during the uh, summertime right now in virginia pretty darn humid and so almost every single hole i'm applying just a little bit more and more each time and it's been awesome it's just been a confidence boost um you guys i know you've talked about it we've seen some nick and macho instagram clips from you guys you still liking it Yeah. Oh no. Oh, here we go. All right. There we go. Uh, intern Ben's still at it, guys. Come on. Uh, no, I'm just joking because he is ripping now, and we'll step up onto a tee, and I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta get some distance on Ben, and that's the perfect time to throw on some Max Wax. Uh, I just. I'm not trying to turn it into Ben can rip now, uh, but I, I'm a huge fan of the snap stick. I found a nice little kind of uh, like. I'm I'm out of words right now, but a nice little spot in my bag to put it in where it doesn't fall out and it kind of doesn't take up too much space because it is so small and easy to put in anywhere you can put it in your pocket. I did that for a while. Um, and I think it's just, it's the perfect size. You can just put it on your fingers real easy uh, and then get on going and have that comfortable grip. Awesome. Don't forget, use code Nick and Matt for 10% off your next order. Ben, do we have someone lined up with Matt we Graham right do. now? All Let's right. get to it. Throw him up. You, hey, go full screen. You recognize this guy? <laughs> this Let's is go. <laughs> okay, if you didn't recognize his face, you heard the sound. This is Jay Redding. He's never been on the Nick and Matt show. This is his debut. Whoa! <laughs> so, feels amazing. You're so literally I'm one in, of the I'm coolest guys in the sport. Right now. Are you competing here? I am competing. How's your knee holding out? Uh, you know, we could show the swelling on film if we want to, but now you're know, holding in there, man. Oh it. This, this is for us, for the 50-year-olds and the two courses that we're playing. I mean, this is a par is good world. Good. So, yeah, good. Even today, so I guess that's good. good. <laughs> yes. So tell us real quick, like, what is it like, because I'm doing this in the moment. This wasn't even planned. Seeing all the juniors and the masters together. Is this oh, really cool? Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, uh, uh, yesterday we had a little fly mart, and uh, because uh, the juniors weren't quite started yet, everybody was out. So just to have everybody come through and uh, getting a, a, a face with the name and, and all this good stuff, I mean, it's just fantastic. It's the it's the next generation, and it's the generation that helped build the place. And yeah, just good stuff. Very cool. Des, you want to say hi? So we had her on earlier this year, Des mm -hmm. Redding. Hi there. She's out here competing, and uh, how's it going? Uh, let's see. I'm in the lead. I've had, She's in the lead. I'm in the lead. But I <laughs> nice. have suffered um, two losses, which have resulted in seven strokes to my nearest competitor. So I wow. am mentally... But you're still in the lead. It. I am still in the lead. I'm mentally challenging. I don't want to give you too much there. confidence, but you'll take it down. So we just need a <laughs> diver in the Peoria yeah, area. This is the pre-win interview. <laughs> two more rounds. Two more rounds. Awesome. So Very this is cool. cool. We're just running around saying hi to. Find Ricky yeah, Wysocki, Matt. What was that? Find Ricky Wysocki. Find Ricky. I don't. Is he here? Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah, okay, never mind. All right. He has something to say. Jay has something to say. That's perfect because that sounded like an intern. And yeah. Evan, uh, we know we do the interns, right? So from Yeti and Des, I want to hear about some kind of an intern uh, es escapade uh, in the very near future. Sorry, intern. You're going down. Whoa. Let's go. Whoa. Whoa. Peace out. Good. All right. Hey, you can throw me on mute again if you want. I'm sorry. Yeah, I keep finding people. Find, I like this. Best show ever. If I Let's find do it. anyone real cool. I'll find some other people. Okay. Put me on Sounds good.
back to the regular this, show. This, yeah, this actually might be one of like the coolest times that we've had to just hang out and just Matt running around like a madman awesome finding show. more people to talk to. And so I'm kind of like, once again, like, what do we talk about in between? Off axis. To- um, no, I'm kidding. Well, no. Hold on. I just want to say it's kind of like awkward that we get to see Matt just having a ton of fun, being outside with like live music going on, meeting all these people. And then we got to come back and be like, oh. I'm just in Matt's basement with Ben talking to Nick and just his apartment all by himself. Yep. Like we're just, yep. I mean, we're having a good time. But Wait, just- I, I just got called out by Jay Yeti. That what you literally just, ha- just got called out by one of the most OG people in our sport. Do I have to buy like a bunch of, of the, Yeti yeah. AVRs and just like, like Start throw them into the a Yetis, lake? Oh. I tried it for a bit. All right. Uh, also, Ben, you're legally obligated to buy one of uh, Isaac Robinson's M1s that mm-hmm. are, are dropping soon or already dropped. I meant, I meant tours. Not, I, I knew he had a commemorative. I meant tours. They have to give him a, a uh, tour series. Loopholes to everything. Well, he signed this a contract is, before the win. I, I'm sure if he, he, he could probably renegotiate something and be like, hey, I just won. If he did it the right way, he'll yeah. have renegotiation. Yes, clauses. There we go. See, yeah. he's a businessman. Yep. So, uh, Todd Bouchard, actually, a longtime listener, had a great point. I hope if Matt can hear this at some point, but we want to get an interview with Tanner, who just won two of the field events, World's Distance for his division, and then the skills game. I'll tell you this, guys. I am never going to win a distance competition in whatever field I'm in, unless somehow I'm 90 years old and they have a division for that, and maybe I can still throw it. But I'll tell you this right now, more than likely. Tanner did something that I will never, ever, ever do in my life. And uh, so kudos to him. So hopefully Shout if Matt hears this eventually, we'll have to try to find his kids, get them on for a quick interview. Yeah. And but, um, to, I guess to talk yeah, about I guess them well, real quick, though, what I wanted to say, like mm-hmm. I played around with them and they they're good. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just yeah. like junior good. Like I'm an average amateur and like mm-hmm. Hunter could like he beat, he beat Matt and bats better than me. And like when mm-hmm. we were playing like Hunter was driving as far as I was, even when I was like stoked with my drive, Tanner can absolutely smash on a line on like a, mm-hmm. a on a rope, I guess. I don't know. There's all these terms that I should be using. Uh, but he just like when he throws, it's just like he does this like, you know, he's he's young and a little shorter. And so he's trying to get his mm-hmm. wind up in. And then once it's released, it's just boom. It's just mm-hmm. a missile going there. And I can't throw a disc that straight. Yeah. One of the uh, notables, the PDG actually posted this as well, is that Leighton Brinster is also out at Junior Worlds right now. It's Steve Brinster's son. Steve Brinster being one of my all-time favorite players, kind of like that New England native that's not from New England, but we all root for him at any event that he goes to. It was such a fun fun watch to see him win 2013 USDGC, and uh, I've grown to be very close with the Brinsters, and so seeing Leighton out there is pretty awesome. They had an incredible picture of him, but so that- he's out playing the event. I think it's really, really cool when you kind of see, you know, all these different names. I mean, we got Landon Brooks. He's a kid from up in Maine, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Maine, right? Yep. Yes. Um, and then Wyatt Mahoney is out there. Uh, Hunter and Tanner Graham are out there. I mean, just a bunch of kids who, as especially in the New England scene, that we're kind of seeing grow up into the sport. Uh, Miles Sayer is out there as well. Shout out to Miles. His family has let me stay at their place before when I've played tournaments up in Maine. So they're such an incredible family as well. And uh, so it's it's pretty awesome just kind of seeing one of the biggest things that I've seen lately is just kind of seeing like the up and comers in the sport, the future of it. But then you also got the pioneers all in one place. And I, what a what a cool feeling it must be to be out in Illinois right now. I know there are some pros that are out there hanging out and just kind of watching all this all go down. If If I had the opportunity to go out, to junior worlds at some point even just an amateur worlds i i'm definitely going to take that opportunity to go out it just seems like such a fun time and pro worlds is boring everyone's boring you know well i, I want to bring back to your topic about uh is it leighton brinster 
Yes. Um, but like, how cool is that, that we're seeing, you know, uh, a, a kid of a great who's honestly still in like a lot of our minds. You know, we, we talked about Cody Kirkland and is it, am I, it's John Kirkland, John. right? Okay. John. Wow. I feel bad. Uh, but we talked <laughs> about that. Um, and John's like an OG guy. Um, mm -hmm. And then Cody's been doing great and doing ultimate, but now we're getting into like kind of a newer age where Steve Brinster is still killing it and still like it was 2013 you said right that he won usdgc it was not that long yep. ago and now his yep. kids going through the sport and we see that with like a lot of other sports where you see kids coming up that like you knew growing up like i the toronto blue jays in baseball like they have vladimir guerrero jr they have uh calvin biggio they have uh, uh dante bichette's kid boba Bichette. and it's just like all these guys that i boba fit <laughs> yeah, right. not quite uh all these guys that like their dads like i grew up watching play baseball and like those were like really cool and now they're just crushing it in the majors and it's cool to see disc golf kind of get into that too where we're you know Layton's still young he's competing in uh junior worlds maybe we'll see him kind of work his way up the ranks maybe we'll see other mm -hmm. kids who are kids of uh players that we knew and that's just really yeah. cool to see yeah um does matt have anyone yet do we know no. is matt still with us no. okay yeah, cool. he's still with well, us I guess we'll roll into. Um, oh, he he's putting his thumbs up. All right, all right. Okay, we're going back. We're going back to Matt. All right, four up. Let's do it. Oh, <laughs> that that's I mean, one up. So if you don't know, I'm with the most exciting man in disc golf, Nate, Nate Heidold. So Nate has decided to take on the endeavor of Master Worlds and Junior Worlds. How many competitors this week? 1,115 countries. 1,115. Oh, 15 countries. Oh, yeah. Got you. Yeah, yeah. eleven 1, hundred and fifty countries were here. Everybody's here. That's crazy. And a bunch of made up countries, so, no. so only only I, Nate Heinel can pull this off. <laughs> how about we're doing my staff leaves after this, five days after this for D Glow, and then mm -hmm. we come back and start Ledgestone immediately. So Yeah. Like <laughs> so, I said, only wow. Nate Heinold. They the PDJ teases out this is maybe one of the biggest ever. Do you know the numbers on that? Like for combined or like Charlotte world? would be the only one that was close, and so that was a combined I played that one. That was about the same. So okay, so I this is big. The numbers. It's either the biggest or the second biggest. This is big. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot going on. You got a great, like, uh, this hangout session. Yep. It's like a fly mart party. Fireworks, free yeah. ice cream. I cut in line to get my three-year-old ice cream, but, I mean, I'm paying for it, so who cares, right? So, Ledstone <laughs> is big. Is it bigger than this? Ledstone is more than double the size. There you go. So, so Ledstone, if you want to come out to that, I had you know the wait list gets larger and larger and larger every year. 500 on the wait list. It's Woo. down to like 150 now. So wow. Wow. Very cool. So this is Nate Heinold. Anything else you want to say to anybody out there? I mean, these guys <laughs> and gals are actually fun to watch. So it's yeah, that they're masters and juniors, but some of these kids are throwing it far. They throw, they throw sometimes farther than me. <laughs> so you know, it's fun watching MJ and KJ and. Shred and Jennifer Allen, Elaine yeah. King, and seeing the great. So it's great to bring the masters, the old generation, the new generation together. That's exactly mm -hmm. what I was saying, too. That's awesome. Thanks All for right. your time, Nate. So All right. Charlotte, Charlotte in 2012 had 1,095 competitors. Nate Heinel just said he was over 1,100. So I would assume that this is the biggest kind of combined city event in PDGA okay. major history. I didn't run it for all kind of tiers or whatnot, but at least for majors, yeah. you have Charlotte with uh, 1095 and then Kansas City in 09 with 922, Des Moines in 2004 with 911. So, wow. Why, why? I'm actually so. In Charlotte, so, what's so big about that? Charlotte's just a mecca of disc golf in the uh, community, especially on the East Coast. Charlotte just has so much to offer, such incredible courses nearby. But why like 2012? Because um, the so, world was ending and everyone wanted to go disc? 
Well, oh, so, yeah, good point. That so, probably was it. So, <laughs> oh, no, that was the Mayan one, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so Worlds used to be uh, pro Worlds, what what kind of see World Championship now, but then also amateur, junior. Was it amateur? It might not have been amateur, but it was at least junior and uh, master's age. Um, and so it used to all be in one location, then they split. So, oh. pro is in its own area or own city. Oh, they all bed. were there. And I, I, the way they're seeing it, I can't actually remember exactly, but are masters and juniors always together or is this just a special thing this year where they decided to put them together in the same area and kind of, I don't know if it's always been like this, but I actually really like it. I think it's, I think it's pretty awesome. All right, let's throw them up. up. Oh, back to me. Let's go. (laughs) John. Hey, hello. Yeah, you're good. All right, we're good now. Great. So this is Davis Johnson. We had John Kirkland on. Hey. I don't know how many episodes. Great guest. This is Davis. We mentioned him at one point. I think John said something like he thought he could throw far until he met Davis. But Davis, what's your PDGA number? Number 44. Number wow. 44. Wow. Nice. How do you go about getting number 44? Did you go on the internet and sign up and pay your dues? There was no internet. This is 1976. One bit before the internet. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm letting you say that. At you least know? had I mean, cell phones, right? Did you, you have to send yeah. in a snail mail? Hey, I want to be a part no, of this. Did you know, get called up? They just assigned it to me. I didn't do anything. You know? <laughs> You're 44. Okay. You're part of the PDGA. You're part of the PDGA. Well, is that what it was back then? PDGA? Yeah. Okay. It, it started off, Ed Hedrick started it, as you learned from John Kirkland. Or, yeah. And, uh, and Ed uh, assigned numbers to, you know, Victor Malafati was 02. Uh, of course, uh, Ed himself was 001, Stork 003, Dan Roddick, and so forth and so on. And, and they just threw 044 at me because I was, you know, kind of, uh, I was the distance guy at the time, you know, who was having world <laughs> records. So I said, world record distance holder right here. You're 44. Wow. Uh, so my son, eight years old this week, it's not an official world record, but he was able to take down the the eight and younger distance record this week. I think that's, that's so great. And he's, uh, he's second in the, uh, in the golf. Yeah, right? yeah that's right. 230 feet at eight years old. It's decent. Now, isn't that great to be eight years old and have a life ahead of you of doing what we've been doing? You know, that's great. Huh? That's what I want to talk more about at some point. We're going to get yeah. you on officially, but it's so many talk about they're just doing what they love playing Frisbees. Hey, even yeah. into how old are you? I'm not going to say. Come on. 70, 72 tomorrow. Well, okay. happy birthday. Mm. Thanks. So the point is you've been doing this since at least 76. I started throwing in 1965. Okay. I got involved in, in uh, organized competition in 1973 when John Kirkland and I met at that famous, uh, and we had a little, a little distance competition at the Boston Garden or the Boston Common. <laughs> so cool. And uh, he and I started practicing together, became good friends. In fact, he just visited me uh, about three or four weeks ago, we, we went out and played, uh, what's the one in Greenfield? Uh, uh, Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge, we played that. And the guy's amazing. So I, so 50 years of Frisbee. Yeah, at least. At least, yeah, yeah, at, yeah, least, yeah. at least yeah. 50 years. Yeah. Not many people can say that. It's, it's uh, you're, you're happy to keep doing it. Most of them are buried, you know, we're, we're still going. We're at a table of uh, people who've been playing for a while. I'd get yeah. around to all of them, but our show would go on forever. But I wanted to stop and say hi give you that respect i mean he's one of the ogs we'll we'll have him on another time here uh guys i'm gonna make this my last guest that i'm wandering around to see thanks for letting me crash the show Mm -hmm. have a good rest of the show
Yeah. All right. Thanks, Matt. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, Matt. Cool, that was fun. That was fun. That was great. Um, See you later. Yeah, thank God he didn't say, oh, man, that sucked. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ben, you can can kick him out, right? Yeah, yeah. See you, Matt. Cool. You're out of here. Dude, really quick. Tanner Graham's in second place in his division. No way. Did we talk about this? Tanner Graham, he's a 644 rated player. He shot an 816 rated round. Let's go. Like, I dude, shot lower than filthy. that. <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to say that beat Ben at Maple Hill a couple weeks ago, right? He's one stroke out of the lead right now. <laughs> Let's like, go, Tanner. Filthy, dude. So, did Anyways, he, did just he play to, two rounds today, uh-huh. too? His first tee, I think, was at like 2 p.m. So I don't know if he played two rounds today if it was just no, one. It only says one round right okay. now. So maybe tomorrow they do two rounds because he tees off at 9 a.m. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like every, You do two days, one day, yeah. one to the other. Something like that. Pretty pretty filthy, which, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is super, super cool. Way to go, Tanner. Shout out, Tanner. We're going to have to have them as legitimate guests on the show sometime soon. But uh, I guess we've kind of come to the point. It's eight, about 8.30 right now. Benny, bring us in for a little discussion. Do, 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 do. This is... <laughs> this is the discure discussion. Oh man! There you go. You got it. Ben, Ben's got too much power right now. He's, I he's know, he does. He's got only, and he's got a squeaky chair that people are commenting on. He's oh, you got guys a squeaky can chair. hear that? Really? Oh, dude, absolutely. Those mics are hot, man. Dude, Matt's chair. Nat needs to keep. Uh, get, oh, shout out! I forgot. Shout out D Lillo. <laughs> he he donated ten dollars. I think he's our biggest donator to the Nick and Matt show. So shout out D Lillo. It'll go towards getting Matt a non squeaky chair. There you go. Awesome. So, um, cool. Anyways, the secure discussion that we did want to talk about tonight was who's winning in kind of our makeshift manufacturer's cup right now. Um, and the way we're going to kind of go about it is talk about the MPO division and the FPO division, who have been the notables and who have been the kind of like uh, notables going throughout the year. You know, which companies really had a lot of success in the off season and which companies had some success, but lost some success in other areas. And so I guess kind of one of the biggest things, you know, I'll just throw it out there to kind of start the conversation. Uh, U.S. Women's, we had for, the, I think, the last three rounds of that event was all Innova players, all FPO players sponsored by Innova, which is pretty insane. That's huge, huge marketing for them in that regards. And then on the MPO side, where is Innova? You know what I mean? So kind of like, let's roll with that. I'll be right back. I'm going to go grab some jerky real quick. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think on the FPO, it's, it's gotta be pretty clear. I don't think you can make a serious case for another manufacturer besides Innova. I mean, the only thing you could argue is if you put wins above all, which you easily could like Innova's only win on the uh, elite and major season is Haley King at uh, us women's. If I'm not mistaken, um, we had Katrina win early and she's on DGA. Now Paige Pierce, of course is winning and she's on Discraft, And then, um, Kristen Tatar, of course, who's on latitude 64. So if you're going purely just based on wins, it's kind of just a mix between all those probably with the edge to Paige Pierce, although Kristen Tatar on like an average pace, but if you're going towards the field and what we've seen more on coverage on more players, cause, uh, when you're watching post-produced, you see four, uh, 
players per card every single time. Doesn't matter if they're winning or if they're in fourth, you see them just as much. Um, and if you're on live, you know, they're bouncing between all the different cards. So if you're kind of on the first three lead cards, that's where you get the most coverage. So I would say Innova's leading by that mark pretty clearly. You can even, even if you're only counting winners, you could still just say them just because they're at the top so often. I mean, Own Scoggins also won match play. Um, and a lot of just the talk has been like Evelina Salonen doing super well driving and having some struggling putting. Uh, but just the conversation around here is you're just doing Evelina Salonen and then Innova. Uh, so I, I think I think FPO is clear. I don't know if Ben, uh, you I, have a case otherwise. Oh, we're, sorry. I forgot I was mad. I thought I was guessed for a second. Um, I think it's clear for me that MPO is also Innova. Whoa. Okay, let's let's hear it. Let's get into MPO. Yeah, All I'm right. not really good to hear this. Yeah, so you really got to hear this. So... We have Calvin at Jonesboro. Here, I'll, I'll pull, put three up. Calvin at Jonesboro. That's one. Mm-hmm. Bradley. Come on now. You guys oh, forgot yeah. about Bradley. Yep, I may have. And you may have forgotten about the free man that is named Joel. Yeah. So, and, and, well, if you're counting match play, then you might as well go to Silver as well. I'm leading you into it. Silver as well. Silver as well. Oh, come on. Silver man. Series. Yeah. I, I thought you were talking about Silver a lot. No, no, no. I, I, like, know, I know what you're talking about. No, no, no. Silver, <laughs> Silver Series events. Silver Series. I'm leading in. I'm not giving you the answer. Uh, Silver Series. Come on, Ben. Get, hit it with me. Hit it with Hit it with you. me. It was the most recent Silver Series. Come on, pick up what down. Come on. Beaver Safe Fling? I come went on. to it. Come on. <laughs> Is it the Beaver Safe Fling? I don't know. You tell me. Dude, I don't know. Uh, putting me on the spot okay, here. If it was that, who won it? Great girthy. There we go. See? What team does he play for? Innova. So I, I see. I see. I knew it. Yeah, um, I but, got you there. You're but good. then we got um. There, the Innova's leading by one because we had Drew Gibson, Paul McBeth, Ricky, Calvin, Ricky, Simon, Simon, Joel, Bradley, and Isaac. So Innova actually has the most winners if we're counting match play, of course. Um. Is that what Civil Series as well? Is, no, just just is, elite. Just just is Dickerson's okay. only elite in Major Victory. The Champions Cup. Yeah, oh, pretty sure. Yeah, because he, he won, he won two silver silvers. Series. That's right. Yeah, yeah, he won Belt in Music two City. Okay, in Major, I guess. Yeah, I guess we just think about okay. Chris Dickerson doing a lot of winning to start the season, but it, it really mm-hmm. was just the Major if we're counting elite and up. Yeah. So then for of course Discraft, doing very well otherwise. Discraft has two points in MP- MPO if we're counting points, and then mm-hmm. DD has two from Ricky. Simon has two. Uh, for uh, for Dismania and then mm-hmm. Isaac Prodigy just well, got one on the board for MPO and then we can talk about well FPO more if you want but yeah that that is like pretty well like parody I I personally almost for the same logic of using Innova for FPO almost might say Prodigy for MPO we just saw our first Elite and Up Prodigy win uh, being Isaac Robinson um. And I think a lot of names, like a lot of the big names you think, okay, Chris Dickerson left and Kevin Jones, who has been a little bit subpar for Kevin Jones standards this year. And then we think about all the other prodigy players who have stepped up. Luke Humphreys at the beginning of the year and and not even getting again and Burr, who was hot at the beginning of the year and is still just crushing it and is like inch, like inches away from the win each inches. week. Uh, but him rocking prodigy, I mean, Kale, uh, his play hasn't, like, I think he's done pretty well at a few events, but just his tournament being up there has been a big deal. Um, Isaac Robinson, um, Alden Harris, Alden Harris yeah, doing I'll, super I'll well. I'll be honest, when Chris left and Katrina left, people probably predicted that Prodigy was going to fall off the face of this earth. I think that's a little, a little harsh, but and, yeah, here you go. No, but I, but I think Prodigy is doing 
it's way better than anyone could have expected as a team, especially with Isaac Robinson. Um, basically, he didn't come out of nowhere like you saying he came in eighth at USDGC last. Like yep. I didn't know that. That's pretty impressive. But basically, coming out of nowhere, you know, he he got podium. Was it at uh, podium at Portland, Portland? Another top ten at Waco, top five. Yeah, so at Waco fifth. Honestly, I, if I was prodigies, like marketing, whatever, I'd be pretty like happy that what's happening now but because at the beginning of the year i would have been like oh my goodness we just lost what about two players what about fpo side of prodigy who's the, it, the most it's really notable? heather young and that's it and heather young stepped away as she's we know. not touring right now yeah oh is she I'm, we I'm should kinda, check I'm, that because i'm kind of going down the back. list i'm like Paige pierce katrina Allen, chris star Hano, missy gannon old scoggins hella hannah cat merch maria like honestly innova has a pretty deep team on the fpo side uh dd as well discraft has a deep side i mean the trilogy i should say has a deep side of it mm-hmm. um Discmania, obviously notably with um simon i'm sorry i'm Lizotte. blanking um, simon Lizotte. no on the fpo side <laughs> oh, oh ella, uh, hansen. ella hansen sorry i'm so sorry i was being so i was being so rude just to be wrong yeah uh yeah ella hansen's been fantastic i mean i feel like people are talking about her constantly of mm-hmm. just like when she's going to get that win as well um and so her being kind of the lead fpo dismania player i think is really cool mm-hmm. i agree mm-hmm. and you know there's still a bunch more events to to happen we should talk about who do you think is gonna take the lead uh by the end of the year yeah okay who, so, who do you so I'll, say, I'll say this so say um uh, I don't think Dickerson's traveling over to Europe. He doesn't like flying too much, but let's say let's say Paul Macbeth wins European Open. Okay. Does that put a push that Discraft is having a great year? Or do we still kind of put it on the side? Because that'd be two majors. And then Paul also has an elite series win. Dickerson with two silver series wins. Does that kind of match up against Innova's three or four elite series and then a silver series win? You know, kind of like what other on the MPO side, Isaac Robinson obviously just winning Ida Wild. Um, do we put Prodigy above Discraft right now in that sense? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say you'd put Prodigy above Discraft just because it's just Isaac Robinson that won and then mm-hmm. we had um Paul and Paige and Chris have won. Mm-hmm. So um unless I'm missing FPO player on Prodigy that won, but No. Yeah, I, I'd say Discraft yep. definitely has the upper hand, but Prodigy's yep. making it its case. Yeah. Let me say On that. the MPO <laughs> side, yeah, Prodigy's definitely kind of like growing in a little depth. And I think that's just kind of been the the fairy tale about this whole year is that yeah. we're seeing new winners. We're seeing people winning Elite Series events for the first time. We're seeing unique winners, which is pretty cool. We're not just seeing that dominant fashion over like we've seen for a majority of the years that I guess we've kind of all been involved in disc golf, uh, which is pretty awesome. Well, like the interesting thing is, is you talked about the prodigy depth, but I think a lot of other teams have really good depth too. like Discraft, You just have guys like Ezra Aderhold and Aaron Gossage, Adam, Hammes. Like Adam Hammes. Yeah. Who, you know, his started off not great, but he's some, been very, some top very solid lately. lately. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's still having a good season. Uh, just it's, it's how you start that, how people remember it. Uh, but then oh, yeah. like hopping over at Innova too, is like, they've had, uh, like Joel Freeman, one match play. We talked about that and they, they have a ton of depth on the MPO side still. It's just like, I think prodigy's depth is just doing better. They're just, they're, they're getting more known. I mean, even if they're not getting the wins like Gannon Burr, 
has to be like the most talked about non-winner of this season for elite and ups of course he got master's cup uh i don't think you could say an mpo player has had more talk uh than him like even like eagle mcmahon who's been injured and talked about still uh it's not even close like i I don't think you can say anyone else besides Gannon. Well, Gannon, because Gannon's in the spotlight so much, he hasn't missed the top 10 yeah. in the Elite Series, I believe. He's just uh, out of while. He was um, on lead card every single day, I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe he wasn't on the mm-hmm. first feature card, but every day. So it's pretty easy to get talked about when you're constantly in that Yeah, um, I had to go back and watch the coverage for that. Yeah, um, so I played this incredible tournament this past weekend, and one of the amenities was this really, really fun clubhouse. It was on a brewery and a winery. And so after our rounds, we'd all just get these big crawlers of beer. It was awesome. But we'd go downstairs and we'd watch. Uh, before the round, we were watching the FPO. And then after our round, we were watching kind of the tail end of the MPO rounds. And so I got to kind of see the back nine almost every single day, which is pretty sweet. And then we're also playing this um, game called like Crooked Hole or cro- Crooked Hole. Okay. Or something. No, not okay. okay. It's like this. Um, Again, I'm being rude for no reason. It's like this. It's like this shuffleboard game where you flick these little tiles oh, and you I try to you. get. I, I forget. Yeah, yeah, you play yeah. Croken Hole or something like that. I don't that. know someone, what it's called, but I know exactly what, what you're talking about. Either way, Anyways, what a name! Hell of a fun game. I mean, after one game of it, I was kind of like, okay, now I want to be like, now I want to win. And so you play with partners. Good time. We're all just hanging out, drinking beer, and you're having a great time. But I do want to go back and watch the post production and just kind of see how it really all played out, especially in the first and the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people talk about the luck of Idlewild, which is kind of a tangent. The luck of Idlewild, where you have the the stream kind of cutting through, and I, I would agree with seventeen. A lot of players don't like it because it's really hard. I personally think it's so good because there's so many options where you don't have to play risky, and if you get risky, then yeah, it gets a little bit uh, kind of luck or unlucky depending on how you look at it. Uh, but like 17, mm-hmm. I like you saw, you saw Gannon do it in the final round, um, where he was just, he was just trying to, you know, get off the course. Cause it, you know, he, he lost, lost his lead and he just throws like a high forehand that just goes right into the slope. You can kind of run a longer circle two putt there or just lay it up and get your three. So to me, I'm like, that hole's not gimmicky. If you can do that, it's gimmicky. Yeah. If you ace run it, like, like i'm not trying to uh, spoil obviously we're not talking spoilers but uh chris clemens had an ace round in the final round hits the band goes ob like yeah that just happens you went for the ace you didn't get the ace it didn't stick it went ob like that's is what it is but if you are playing just for par you can achieve that pretty easily in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah i, I mean are there drop zone rules on that hole i'm not really sure i, I don't know it well enough but like if he oh, goes ob by the basket i mean oh yeah you you so yeah he, he went ob and had a easy a tap, tap, and tap in. for three yeah chris clemens that is i, I think yeah. Yeah, i think yeah. what's impressive about isaac's win talking about like gimmicky he doesn't have a forehand like he didn't throw a forehand so really that, yeah so it, that was all he okay. won all backhand so it might it might not if he's shooting average 11 down I, I i don't think you can make the case for luck maybe for some players like us that aren't like as great but i think you know uh, not you nick you're the best nick in my eyes <laughs> i was looking at evan i swear <laughs> um, but yeah he, he did it solely solely backhand and he you know you just gotta hit your lines 
That's that's yeah. all that, that's all there is to disc golf. Hit your lines and get birdies. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what that's what that course just really kind of entails. And I, Evan, I'm going to let you go with your thought on this right now. But we kind of jumped away from what the original discussion was, and I think just kind of end the discussion. Yeah, let's do that. I think Ben Ben made an incredible point to saying Innova has been super deep this year on the MPO side, multiple lead series wins and a silver series win. Discraft has an elite series win, a major win with a couple silver series wins on the MPO side and the FPO side. Uh, Prodigy kind of making a little name for themselves right now. Um, Latitude 64 with Kristen Tatar. We still argue that she is one of the best players in the world. DGA finally coming and making a splash back in the scene of disc golf, which is great to see. Anyone who owns discgolf.com should be relative <laughs> and relevant in the sport of disc golf. So I think Katrina Allen going out and doing what she does best has been incredible to see in the sport. And then Discmania with Simon Lazak kind of making a comeback without Eagle this year. And then same thing with Kyle Klein. Kyle Klein notably not going over to the European Open, but Simon Lazak and Eagle McMahon both playing that event. I think it's a pretty even year all across the board. I mean, I'd like to be a little bit biased and say, you know, I'd love me some Discraft. And so I'm, I'm really pushing for them to kind of end of the year when we kind of bring up this discussion again. Uh, but Ben did sell me a little bit on Innova making an absolute tear, especially I think Innova over the last few weeks, especially on the FPO side of things, has been on an absolute tear this year. We are talking a lot about Innova sponsored FPO players. Discraft does have a couple wins. Latitude obviously having a couple wins as well. And DGA now getting a couple wins throughout the year. So uh, something that I think we can definitely bring up. But um, anyways, to kind of end the discussion, if you're looking for some nice disc golf, di excuse me, disc golf apparel, go to discaradg.com. We're actually launching a bunch of new colors coming out either at the end of this week or beginning of next week. Also, if you guys would love to support me, my Nick Carl Dark Knight stamps are coming up onto the website. Same thing, either the end of this week or next week. There's going to be a really awesome promo code where if you buy a disc, there's a discount on a shirt, which is going to be pretty sweet. Cannot wait for it. And I'm also pricing these discs at uh, just about $21 or $22. Uh, just a couple extra bucks over a stock stamp disc. Um, main reason, I just want people to hopefully grab some discs and all the proceeds helped me out incredibly. Um, it's about to be an insane amount of traveling over the next couple of months. And so any and all help buying discs, the nukes feel incredible. And I've shown Evan a couple pictures of the undertakers. They came out sick. And uh, anyways, discaradg.com. Be on the lookout for those. I'm definitely going to post about it on my Instagram when everything gets uploaded. But there's a discare discussion. So Evan, that was a good you one. had a thought kind of going towards the end of our conversation. Yeah, I did have a thought, but I will say, Nick, I'm going to give you a compliment. I mean, we, we talked about your logo sometimes. It looks great on a disc. It looks great on a hat, too. It mm -hmm. it just it looks good. So props yeah. to you there. And and the way the way the disc market has kind of kind of gone up in prices, I think a lot of stock ESP stuff is maybe $17.99, $18.99, depending on which website you were going to. This has a custom stamp on it, you know, $21.99. That's, I think, the price that I'm trying to put it at. And it allows me to pay all the shipping and handling stuff that I need to pay for to kind of, you know, it, it essentially it's just spending a couple more dollars on a stock disc with a really, really cool stamp on it. And it helps me out, which I greatly appreciate from everyone that has ever bought one or in the future will buy one. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'm going to snag one for sure. We'll have to talk about that. Undertaker, uh, man. But bringing it into my discussion that I had off of the discussion, I think it's really incredible. Isaac without really a forehand, like I, 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 he might have thrown some. I don't really remember it, Ben. You, you kind of brought up the thought too. So maybe someone could tell us exactly how many he had. But a lot of people talk about Edwell kind of being a, a, a righty forehand course. 
Um, and it's just the way you're kind of throwing power forehands, uh, kind of something where you can kind of maybe throw on a little bit of Anheuser, maybe straight, and then it kind of fades right. Um, and we saw Chris Clemens, a lefty, do really well here. Um, although he has a power lefty forehand, but anyways, mm-hmm. um, the winners we see are really good at that or James Conrad, who is really good at getting the disc left or right anyways, even without a backhand. So maybe Isaac Robinson falls into that category, but just like looking at the past 100%. winners, they all have like really elite level forehands. I mean, Kyle Klein last year with Andrew Marweed right on his tail Marweed, pushing to the yeah. playoff, you it's know, he point. might have arguably the best forehand or, you know, top five. Um, and then, you know, Paul Macbeth has won this in the past. Kevin Jones has won it in the past. And there's one more, but I'm blanking on the name. But either way, Kevin um, Jones. I said Kevin Jones. You said Paul James McGuff, Conrad. Eagle McMahon. Oh, Kyle Eagle Klein. McMahon. Thank you. And yeah, of course, Eagle has a yeah. So Eagle's 2020. Kevin Jones is. Eagle's got a pretty good forehand. I'd say. Yeah, all those guys are elite forehand players. Um, and I like. I think Paul was 18. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Uh, all elite forehands, and then we see Isaac Robinson just tear it up with a backhand. I mean, I think Chris Dickerson he has a forehand, but he goes a, a lot more backhand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was right there with number two. So I think it's kind of interesting to really see that kind of this idea that it's a, a power forehand course kind of get turned around and we see, we see some different winners, which I mean, I don't know oh, that more than more than being a forehand course. It's known for having unique winners, which it, that yeah. at least succeeded this year, which I mean, in all honesty, none of the players who have won it in the past, Kyle Klein was kind of making a little bit of push for the first couple of rounds, but at the same time, it was never really like Kyle Klein is going to win oh. this tournament. Yeah, and so I think that's what's been kind of crazy about this tournament is we we saw Isaac come out on a tear, and then he started round two on a tear, and it was kind of like holy crap, he's running away with this thing. Dickerson makes a little push at the end of things in the last round, but same thing. Had Dickerson come back and won it, there's another unique winner at this tournament. I just think that's incredibly awesome there's so many tournaments maple hill was like that actually for a large number of years um the marshall street disc golf championships going into the mvp open what it is nowadays i think kale levesca was the first person to win multiple years at that tournament that was played at maple hill um and then i think ricky wysocki then paul Macbeth. i mean we've had a couple since then but for the most part with idlewild we're still looking at that unique winner on the mpo side of things which is rare to rare to see nowadays and I think so Maple Hill as a pro tour event, I think has had five unique winners and that has been every single year. The pro tours existed. So this is the eighth. So seven in the past, I think that's right. Or maybe six in the past. This is the seventh. Uh, um, yeah, either something way, like that. Idlewild just had their sixth and it's been around only for six years. Okay. So this is the seventh disc golf pro tour season. Idlewild mm-hmm. came in for the first time in 2017 as a disc golf pro tour event and has had a unique winner every year. GMC started in 2016, but took 2018 off for worlds. So it is coming up on its sixth year as a disc golf pro tour event this fall. And that event has also seen five unique MPO winners. So that one could also join really? Idlewild as no unique winner every single year for That's six. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think Paul McBeth's the only one to win Maple Hill twice as a disc golf pro tour event on the MPO side. Um, but that's right on its tail and also could tie that number, although it has an extra event to get there. Mm-hmm. So really, in like all likelihood, like that's pretty possible. Um, you know, it's it's like Adam Hammes, Paul McBeth, James Conrad and Bradley Williams. Who is, is that right? Am I missing one? There would have been five. In 16, 17. Who was 18? Ricky won one year as a pro tour or was that before? Uh, I think it was before. One twenty twenty. Oh, no, oh, James Conrad, didn't he win one year? Yeah, yeah, I, said, yeah uh, I said James Conrad. Did you? Twenty sixteen. 
the fiber open. As you're thinking about that, uh, it's just super possible that that gets another unique winner. And so it, it just, that's incredible. See, as Ricky, it was Ricky Ricky. as pro tour event. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, it was. Yep. DGPT, the vibe open in 2017. He had won it. Yeah. Oh, Ricky was good in 2017. I think a lot of people forget that. He's so bad now. Well, I mean, he was a world champion <laughs> in that year. Yeah. Uh, James, yeah, James Conrad won it by one in 2018, and then was 2019 yeah. and 2020 Paul Paul, uh, and then 2021 Paul, Paul. being Adam Hammes. No, I think 2020 or 2019. One of those two is James. That was kind of recent. 2018 is James. No, 2018 was James. Really? Yeah. Paul Paul. Dude, Adam's win. I was on. I say this all the time. Yeah. I was caddying for Matty O. I was literally on lead card. Like right there. Yeah, you're so cool. That no, I'm just saying that was a that <laughs> was kidding. that was electric. Yeah, like that was yeah. s- such yeah. an amazing thing to witness. And then walking up 18's fairway, yeah. like right behind them with like, you can see me on Jomez okay. giving Medio. I'm gonna boop. I'm gonna throw this a little shameless plug, but I've had multiple winners stay at my house and then they go Yo. on to win the Maple Hill event MVP Open. I don't I keep wanting to call Who's Maple Hill this Open, year? but the MVP. Uh, more than likely, Paul, Adam, um, we got, we got to have a different one. There's a unique like, winner. You got to have a unique winner. Right, I got to get a new fine. guy. Find a new guy. It's Ezra. me. It's <laughs> oh! me. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not even, I forgot it was a playoff when I said that. I'm not even playing it. So unless, unless they do five spots, which I, yeah. you know, hopefully oh, there's some. Yeah, Isaac Robinson. Oh, Ooh. that'd be, that'd be a legend. No, it'd be a Discraft guy that stays at my place. Oh yeah. True. All right, Aaron or Gossage. Get, get my oh, boy Aaron Gossage, Aaron Gossage a yeah. room. Or at least a bed. I'd love to see Ezra Adelholt take down that course. That'd be sweet. So, yeah. Sorry, say it again. Me and Ben were excited. Like Ezra, Ezra, Ezra oh, would be sweet to I take said. down that one. Uh, that's who I said originally yeah. for you to come yeah. o- have come That'd be over. sweet. Yeah. So which okay, uh, we're we're getting towards the end, but quick side topic off of this is you're talking about getting points to get into the playoffs. And I gotta think, if you have the uh kind of I mean it's a big monetary choice, but to get over to the European Open, there are some really good opportunities to get points, especially FPO Field's pretty limited. Um I think just not a bunch of signups because it is a huge commitment to get over there. I'm not judging mm-hmm. that part, but if you're on that cusp of wanting to get into the playoffs, like you should have made this trip to Europe because mm-hmm. there's just points there that you can get. If you just get like, you know, a, a 30th finish, like which in FPO, I think is last place um, that gets you a solid amount of points and can give you that edge okay. when it comes into October. So Nick, you should have gone to Europe. Yeah, I should have. I should have dropped the money for it. The thing is, one bad week in Europe play-wise turns into a fat paycheck <laughs> in the sense of, like, not a paycheck, a fat amount of money coming out of my bank that does not need to come out for me to go travel right now. Yeah, uh, I'll eventually get out there. But in the next few years, I, I believe me, I would love to go to that event. It's a major. It's got such a unique atmosphere to it and such a historical venue. So, yeah, I'd love to get out there. But oh. right now, travel's insane just in the world in general. And then the amount of money that it costs to fly anywhere right now is pretty insane quick, so quick question this is kind of random i'm looking at the mvp or all the winners of the maple hill fiber moment there's a big dog award what is that does anyone know what that means nick do you know what that means and yeah, just Shreder like the dude, won in 2015 yeah it's just about one of the people who like are such a key contributor into the disc golf community such like a, cool. a a good heart and you know does so much for the community slash just disc golf in general um i think back. notable people huh yeah ben big dog 2023 let's go they gotta yeah, bring that back go. exactly. i like that well, i didn't know talk that. to steve dodge about it you, you guys are closer to maple hill than i am you guys talk to steve about it i'll talk but to steve bring it back big dog. there you go so big cat 
Yeah. Anyways, any more uh, quick little topics, or we kind of run down to the end of the show? Yeah, let's roll out of here. I think we've had a pretty let's, solid show. Yeah, this is an awesome show. I'm to roll out of here. Cool. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in on this wonderful Wednesday night. I almost said Monday night. I forgot that it's Wednesday right now. I thought we had some pretty awesome interviews going on tonight. If you're listening post-production, go ahead and check it out on YouTube, though. One of the cool things, Matt Graham was doing some live interviews with people out in Peoria, Illinois, over at the Masters Worlds and the Junior Worlds. Some awesome interviews, just really quick ones with some very, very notable people in the sport. Um, Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Thank you for tuning in once again tonight. Chat, you guys have been incredible. Don't forget to um, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Uh, Nick, you're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Ed, you you're awesome. <laughs> Let's go. Peace, yo. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.